Welcome to the ESG Academy, where the Hogan Lovells team quickly but thoroughly shares critical insights on key ESG issues that in-house counsel need to know. Today's episode is about sustainable finance and investment. We're joined by Andrew Carey, who is resident in London and is the co-head of our sustainable finance and investment practice, as well as Laurie Hammond, partner from our Johannesburg office, who focuses on cross-border transactions and impact financing in Africa. Sustainable finance is booming, and Andrew and Laurie are here to guide you through the intricacies. Hi, Andrew. It's a real pleasure to speak with you today, given your extensive experience across the green and sustainable finance spectrum. And with COP26 Summit in Glasgow, uh, this is a particularly timely time for a discussion. Thank you, and a great pleasure to be here. To kick it off, we're seeing that companies that can demonstrate a commitment to ESG can open up pools of capital. So perhaps it would be useful to start off with what products are available in the market and what makes them green or sustainable. Sure, happy to do that. Look, for there have for decades been forms of investment that have included a component of what we now might label as sustainable or ESG related or some such. Uh, an example would be the IFC principles or equator principles in the field of project finance, for example, on deals led by DFIs. Uh, they will tell you they've been doing sustainable investing, lending for a couple of decades, actually. But it's really with the emergence of green bonds in the middle of the last decade that we start to see a more widespread and more formal product structures. So, um, I mean, Laurie, you'll know there are now broadly two types of sustainable product out there, um, sometimes called themed products. So that's the use of proceeds type of product and the sustainability linked product. Um, in the former, uh, businesses undertake to use the proceeds of a financing in a particular way to promote a sustainable objective, such as building a wind farm or something like that. But uh, in relation to sustainability linked, it's, it, there's no commitment to how the proceeds are used at all. Um, use them however the company chooses to. But the terms of the financing will vary depending on whether the business has performed against uh, agreed criteria. It's much more flexible and, and much more, uh, I would argue, conducive to beneficial change. But there are also more controversies around the sustainability-linked product. The controversy piece is that it is all around the choice and the gathering of the metrics behind the economics that might change, the economics of the deal, the setting of meaningful amb and ambitious targets and it's the operation of those changing economics. Those are the controversial things. Are those changes significant enough, for example, or, or even too significant? I suppose it linked into the wider goal of good governance and general business integrity, um, you know, as a critical part of the whole sustainability ecosystem. So there may be additional regulation and additional checks and balances, but it's really encouraging the allocation of uh, capital, you know, into positive directions. It is undoubtedly the case that financial institutions that often have decades of experience in assessing the financial performance and prospects of businesses are usually much less able to sus assess sustainability. Partially that's a function of the variability in quality and quantity of data, the lack of um, there being as much standardisation as the market undoubtedly needs. And partially because all of this is still relatively new, notwithstanding what I, I said about what DFIs have been doing for many years. But there's no doubt that many institutions are 
running hard just to build the internal systems and teams that they need to meaningfully engage with sustainability. I should mention this is something where Hogan Lovells is something of a pioneer. We're, we're really changing the way we engage with clients and trying to help or are helping them to you know, join up the dots internally and externally so that they can make the kind of root and branch shifts in culture and practice uh, uh, that are going to mark out the winners and the losers in sustainable finance. And, and for which I think increasingly read just finance. So yes, it's becoming mainstream, Roy. With it becoming mainstream and with the advantages being so obvious in many ways, you know, there is a flip side to that. There are, you know, risks in selling yourself or putting yourself out there as sustainable. Um, there are some unintended consequences from using financial products um, in this area. And, and you know, for example, there's been a lot in the press recently about asset managers being under fire for greenwashing. In the UK, the competition authorities have recently published their green claims code um, as sustainability claims have uh, emerged as a material issue on uh, antitrust damages litigation matters, and and it's a become a consumer protection issue. Um, even you know, what would you say there are the are the big risk areas? This risk, this concept of greenwashing, is the big risk area. I think, at least in the in the financial uh, sphere, it is thankfully less common nowadays for people to say to me, Andrew, the risk is mainly reputational, right? Though still sometimes that does happen. I'd say no, the, the risk here to any business or institution is that investors invest on the basis of a story about sustainability and lose money when it turns out to have been a misleading story. Uh, the market at the moment is favouring sustainable offerings. So there is a market force at play. And if the market loses confidence in the sustainability story of a particular business, this is likely to be reflected in falling asset values of investments in that enterprise. And that's true no less than if the fall in price was due to falling confidence in the pure financial story being told by that business. And even if the economics of the business are unchanged or even possibly improved, market forces may well punish the less sustainable than it seemed type businesses, the ones that have engaged in some sort of washing greenwashing, social washing, whatever it is. And this is not just, this, this market is not anymore just about investors wanting their money to do good in the world, even if that is at least partially true. So greenwashing is a major is a major issue, I would say. And I think even, you know, not just at the prospectus level, but even on a website level, you know, the, a recent survey of, I think over 500 global websites said 40% of claims relating to sustainability could be potentially misleading, you know, so really it has to be, as you said earlier, you know, a root and branch review of, of everything that the company's putting out about its involvement in sustainability. Yeah, even the SEC has started to notice this, and I'm, I'm hearing from the market that uh, the SEC is starting to take a look at where companies have made these kinds of um, statements and approaching those companies saying, you know, your share price went up when you said that, uh, when you made that announcement, or you put out that statement where's the the facts behind it where's the kpis where's the uh, real rigor and if there isn't any then uh, then there's a there's a risk for the company of regulatory action let alone lawsuit and with that on that on the regulatory action of course there is um, a lot more regulation and in an increasingly global world where most transactions are cross-border there's this multitude of voluntary and legislated reporting frameworks that 
that uh, you know companies have to comply with. Uh, you know, is this making deals more difficult to do? Yeah, this is a real issue, and it's the if greenwashing is the what becoming the kind of obvious risk. There's this sort of unintended consequence risk that it's quite hard to describe, um, but there is now in the market so much of a greenium people people are calling it a greenie and the market is prepared to and wanting to invest in sustainability uh, that there's a risk that uh, companies that are in more of a transition mode that with the right investment could continue to operate or operate better on a more sustainable footing are unable to do so i sometimes remind people that sometimes the most esg thing that a company can do is to create jobs pay taxes and make useful and life-enhancing products. And if we stifle those things you know, wrongly, um, that is a concern. The regulators are alert to this. Uh, there's, there's a concern particularly that the European approach is a bit too prescriptive and is causing uh, unintended difficulties and consequences for particularly investors at the moment coming uh, with a knock-on effect to investee companies. Um, and it is a it is a concern. And, and Laurie, I think in, in your part of the world, um, where commodity dependent countries are transitioning in in all kinds of ways, this is this is not a trivial concern. No, absolutely. And you know, mobilising finance can have such huge impact. Uh, and it's a stated goal of COP twenty six um, as well. Um, and that that finances, you know, both public and private. There's the public finance to perhaps develop infrastructure and developing markets and to help the transition to a greener and more resilient economy. But there's also private finance to fund innovation, to fund any types of projects and to help countries in the developing world shift from perhaps reliance on fossil fuels and and to counter the impact of climate change as well. It's a major issue and people are recognising the unintended consequences. But the fact is that, um, to go back to one of your earlier questions, um, uh, this is here to stay. Uh, sustainable finance is uh, is is arguably just another way of talking about uh, smart smart investing, smart borrowing, smart lending. It is becoming mainstream. There are some specialist products out there, to be sure, and they're interesting. And we we've been involved in pioneering some of them. But uh, this is increasingly part of mainstream financing. Brilliant. Thank you, Andrew. And thank you. I've enjoyed it. Thanks so much to Andrew and Laurie for today's discussion. Visit hoganlovels.com forward slash ESG for more podcasts, videos and resources or download more episodes from the Apple Podcast app or the Google Podcast app for Android users.